What's up? My guest this week is a Norwegian entrepreneur who has followed his dreams from the small city of Bergen to the world's largest market for entertainment, Los Angeles, where he currently serves as CEO for Trollbound Entertainment. He's played a major role in digitalizing the entertainment industry and bringing Nordic talent to the forefront. So let's speak to the man who's making it happen. Dave Spilda, welcome to Between Seven Mountains! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Are you awake? I am awake. Yeah? Yes. Do you live in Norway now? We uh, moved our base back to Bergen just about a year ago, which seems like extremely good timing considering what's happening out there right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have bases. You have like base here and base there. Yeah, I mean, our the the uh, Trollbond Entertainment, which is the company that I've been uh, running uh, together with my partners in LA for... Uh, yeah, almost 10 years now, uh, has a business model where we're getting involved in film and television projects which has some sort of link between the Nordic and the USA. So obviously you travel uh, quite a bit back and forth. And uh, we, uh, since since I moved over there, and my me and my wife, we had some kids and then it became very difficult with all the traveling with the kids. But here we have our family, which can help us out a bit. So we decided to to get a house here, and uh, now we're currently back in the most beautiful city in the world. It is, though, isn't it? It is. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, can you tell me, or everybody, a little bit about your childhood? Like, how did you grow up? And, like, I've heard rumors I've heard, that heard you were rumors. in a theater, maybe? Yeah. Um, I, I grew up, uh, uh, well, when I was eight, we moved to Fillingstall. And, uh, Where I grew up, yeah, you know, the best place in the best city in, in the world. Uh, and uh, I, um, at some point there, uh, so I can't even quite remember how it happened, but at least I started at the local theater there. Fristaltada, yes, I did too. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well there you go, and uh, did quite a few different plays there. But then when I got into my teens uh, or, you know, like late teens that I was too cool to be at the theater, I thought. So I, I didn't want to do that anymore. And uh, I abandoned it. But, um, uh, you know, that combined with a much earlier experience is really a lot of what's sort of put me on the path of what I've done later on in life. Because when I was, yeah, I must have been like a six five, six, I can't remember. Uh, my grandmother took me to the movie theater for the very first time. And we went to see uh, Annie, the uh, musical. Mm-hmm. And I was just sort of hooked at that point. Like this is, I love the movie theater. And we went back and saw it several times. And I was just, you know, completely obsessed about Annie. And then later we went to see... Uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of other children's movies, yeah. and 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 that sort of, I I had this interest for that which never left me, and which sort of affected choices that I was making later in life. Uh, so the theater thing sort of came what, naturally with that. But yeah. uh, mm. so that's what you got got you like started into the creative and performing business. But then you how when did you like figure out that you like I want to do the movies or the whatever instead like what was yeah that? well i've always had this sort of 
idea uh, in terms of when I went to school and what to study and what to do. And this mm. is a device I always give people is that you don't always know exactly what you want to do and you don't know exactly how to. And if you do, even you might not know how to get where you want to go. But you need to sort of lean towards uh, in the direction of something that you love, okay? So what you love and what you're good at might not always seem as if those things align perfectly. Say you love music, but you can't sing and you can't play an instrument, but maybe you're very good at math. Or maybe you end up as an accountant for the music industry and you love it because you're close to the stuff that you like. So... For me, it was like I always leaned towards anything that had to do with with film, television, entertainment, those type of things. And uh, um, in my uh, last year of, yeah, uh, you know, uh, college here or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, where, where we have this big celebration where everybody dresses up in these red suits, uh, I was um, in... Um, like a, a vice president of that and helped organize all of Ooh. this stuff. So then I got in contact with a lot of the nightclubs in the city. And then um, in the summer after that, I I met the guy that ended up being my business partner for very, very many years oh. and just by chance. So he was from the UK and I was working serving beers here in Bergen and he came by and we got talking and then we started talking about business and it was just weird and he called me the next day and says oh I have an idea and that idea wasn't such a good idea we never did that idea <laughs> but but that sort of sparked a uh, a uh, relationship which later on and um, uh, yeah would set us on a path to to where we are today so uh, to begin with we wanted to start a nightclub which would have a f- film theme and that was of course my idea because i liked Ooh. film and then that thing didn't work out and then we uh we started looking at some um it's a long story with a lot of details but mm-hmm. it sort of somehow put us on a path for uh, sort of technology path that had to do with movie theaters so we we um got into the movie theater tech business at a very early stage in the late 90s and by 2010, we were Scandinavia's largest uh, cinema uh, tech company. Uh, and um, we uh, developed technology, which today is used in almost movie theaters all over the world. Oh, wow. and, um, and we also uh, took all the Norwegian movie theaters, or at least sort of 90% of the movie theaters in Norway mm-hmm. from analog to digital so when they stopped using 35 millimeter film and went over to digital we supplied the equipment and and everything so um, that was sort of the the first say 13 15 years of my career i was working with that company what was that company name called it was called unique cinema systems and well it's two companies unique cinema systems which did installation and unique digital which was a software company Mm. cool so you can say like you 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 the entrepreneurship or like the entrepreneur part of you started pretty young. I started when I was 20, yeah. my first company. Yeah. And I um as I said I met this guy Chris Hagen and uh he was much more of a tech person than me, you know, very interested in in computers. He 
he, he was talking about some screens which nobody had heard of, which was called plasma screens. Oh, and wow. They were this thin. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, not so thin at the time. <laughs> <This> thin. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but still, compared to, to the normal uh, tube TVs, they were very thin. And, um, and I had this movie thing. And, uh, and those two things sort of combined. They do. Led to all the different things that we ended up doing later mm. on. So, it, you know, it was us two to begin with. And it spurred a long list of companies which were quite successful. And we were like, when I left, we were over 100 people that worked there. And oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm proud of that. And I, I see that uh, Unique is has done, you know, great strides after I left. Yeah. Uh, so I was at a seminar in LA and all of a sudden some of these guys that I used to work with were up on a stage and talking and uh, you know I can feel uh, uh, you know like a, a proud father right of course <laughs> this is my doing I mean yeah. you did it with the other guy but still it's, it must be crazy to watch something you start out with as, a, as a thought and idea and then yeah what and it's weird because obviously the first idea you had wasn't where you ended up again just leaning in some direction you know you you figure out the way a little bit along the way so you you start with something that makes financial sense at the moment and then you'll run into some problems and then when solving those problems you will discover some new opportunities and then you just need to be good at you know seeing those doors and going in there and and uh you know and things develop Mm. over time but I loved, like I said, I was not really into tech. I worked with that for many, many years, and it was it was fun. But I I really love the creative things. Right. So um, when uh, I had the opportunity to sell out uh, my share of the company, I did. And in 2011, I moved to, uh, or I I just flew to LA basically oh. and moved there just flew there not, and not really any plans or I mean you have plans wa- in your my head pl- my plan was I wanted to work with film and television but I didn't know yeah. I didn't know anybody there really and I didn't uh, have any I didn't have any sort of plan on how to be able to stay there so I w- went and found a lawyer and uh, figured out how I could get a visa and started that whole process I had to go back and stay here for months while I was sorting that stuff out and then yeah. eventually I fixed it and then mm. I then I uh, moved my base to L.A. and started uh, Trollbound together with a guy called uh, Halgrim Haug. And, oh, uh, man, I know about that guy. You know about that guy, yeah. Yeah. He's a uh, photographer and uh, director, and uh, we started a company. We, and then uh, a little bit later on, another guy from Bergen called Daniel Halverson came mm-hmm. on board, and, and we built that company to... Uh, rigged it so that we could do line production for Nordic productions that came over to LA. And so we've more or less uh, line produced almost everything Norwegian that's made in the States since yeah. 2013. Nice. Yeah. It must be nice that like, it's always nice to have like, uh, we need to we do something in the States and like, of course, we know who to call. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, because I mean, it is a jungle there. And if you called up an American company, you don't know who they are. And they know that you don't know who they are. Oh no! You know it can get it can get a bit dicey. There's yeah. a lot of things that are very different when producing in America: mm. insurance, permits. Uh, you know, uh, especially yeah, and you know, rules with with uh, 
workers' compensation, a lot of diff different things that you need to mm. be aware of to not run into trouble. Yeah. But I think the biggest difference maybe in Norway and in the mm. States is this insurance thing because they won't let you film anywhere if you don't have insurance. No. And Norwegians tend to come and think that they can use their Norwegian insurance, but they want a specific American insurance certificate with their name on it so that they know you're shooting in a parking lot for a shopping mall. They want to be insured that if somebody gets a camera in their head or a car crashes into somebody, that, that they can't get sued for mm. it happening on their property. So that's a classic rookie mistake, for instance. You go over there and then nobody will let you film anywhere because you don't have insurance. Mm. Gotta have insurance. Yep. Gotta have it. You, um, you're talking about like several companies, but how many are we talking about you started? Well, in, before I, in Norway, yeah. we started first this um, company which is called Unique Cinema Systems. And, and then we, later on we purchased a company called Bug, which is an animation yeah. uh, post-production house, uh, which was fairly small, four or five employees at the time. And that grew, I think, maybe at the most, they had like 40 employees there. Nice. Uh, we made uh, tons of television graphics, a lot of commercials. We did uh, one of Norway's largest animated television series for children. Oh. Uh, um, City of Friends, which is also a Bergen-based uh, yes, thing. And, um, yeah, and then after that, we, um, we uh, branched out and uh, sort of co-founded a advertising agency called Neolab. So... Uh, we did that with some other advertising uh, veterans from, from Bergen. Mm. And then uh, I also invested in a company called uh, TurboTape Games, which is a game development company. So that was cool. the companies we had here. Yeah, and Unique, as I said, also had a software arm, which that was a, um, an Irish company. Okay. And then... Um, Sold out of all of those apart from TurboTape Games, and then I moved to the States or uh, started Trollbound there. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's the companies. I mean, it's uh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. People usually stick with one. Yeah, <laughs> not for you. No, but it, I mean, we, we saw a lot of opportunities, but not, it doesn't always make sense to have everything in mm. the same company because it's confusing for your customers to understand what it is that you're doing. So mm. even that company bug, I mean, some of the reason why we uh, started an advertising agency was because we did work with a lot of advertisers and then they would say, can you also be our advertising agency? And then we'd be like, well, we're not really, we don't, you know, we don't really have the qualifications to do everything that an advertising agency should do. But we think every time somebody asks and we say no, we lose some business and yes. they're going to go somewhere else. So we said, if we have our own, we can just say, yeah, Hell yeah. not us, but the guys down the hall, you can go and see them, for yeah. example. So... It sometimes it makes sense not to to become so all-reaching that people uh, don't understand clearly what it is that uh, mm. it is that you're selling. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, sort of the reason why. Yeah. It, um, do you think do you think like um, growing up in Bergen played a role in your success? Somebody said to me. That's not from Bergen. They said okay. the difference between growing up in Bergen or to work in Bergen and to work in Oslo yeah. 
is that the people in Oslo, they sit in Oslo and then they look into the rest of Norway or into the country, while the people in Bergen, they sit in Bergen and they look out to the rest of the world because we're on the coast. And I think, I think that there is... Bergen is big enough that you can do a lot of great stuff here, but still small enough that there is a lot of, uh, you know, patriotism here or people are maybe more willing to help each other and, uh, and to cheer each other on rather than to try to tear each other down. Mm. And, uh, uh, and then, of course, the people of Bergen have a sort of a mentality of, uh, you know, nothing can stop us type of mentality. So um, that also helps, I suppose, to be a bit brash and... Uh, and uh, have big ideas when yeah. you when you go outside. Because even though we think, or even though we would be considered at Norway, we are very modest and uh, and uh, you know uh, humble compared to Americans, for example. So, mm -hmm. except Bergen people. No, I'm saying Bergen people. When, <laughs> I know, when, I know. when they when they go abroad in in an international setting, it's it's different. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, I noticed that a lot when I first went to the States and I would have a meeting and I would say, yeah, we can do this, 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 and this, but th this, these things here isn't like, uh, I have to say we haven't done that before. We will try to figure it out, but we haven't done that. And I could see people be shocked that you would admit that there was something that you couldn't do. <laughs> but uh, I think some people felt it refreshing because they feel like they can trust what you said you could do, they know you can do yeah. because you said there was something you couldn't do. Uh, while others just felt like, oh, this feels uncomfortable because I only like to work with people that are, uh, you know... Experts in every field. Exactly, <laughs> which is, to me, that means like, well, then you don't really know anything then if uh, right. if everybody just says they can yeah. do everything. We're pretty honest. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think that uh, the level of honesty uh, amongst business people, uh, what's expected in in Norway compared to to other more cutthroat uh, countries and industry, depending on which industry you're in, uh, can be uh, shocking. It can be an advantage in the sense that other people might trust you more, but it can be a disadvantage that you maybe trust people you shouldn't trust. So, uh, right. yeah, I think that's uh, a fair statement. It is. You know, I, I saw the, um, the post you made in the uh, Bergen newspaper Mm -hmm. regarding the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you, you had this um, terrible, terrible um, police brutality case that triggered the, or re-triggered, should I say, this Black Lives Matter movement, which has been mm. going on for a while. And uh, But this time, it was so powerful. You know, the people felt some connection with it globally and a lot of people were uh, taking to the streets all over Europe to show support for for the struggle of African-American people in the United States and um, but I feel and, and while I also support that a hundred percent I also felt that a lot of the, the people get that got provoked by that sort of wanted to have a boogeyman closer to home to be able to attack. Now, racism is a problem in any country, 
uh, and also in Norway, of course. But it is, in my opinion, cannot compare to the problems that you have in the United States, for instance, for many different reasons. And I feel like uh, you just saw in the new pa newspapers every single day that people be pouring out stories about how horrifically racist the Norwegian society is. And I just don't agree. I don't think Norway is a racist country, depending on how you define it. I mean, if you define a racist country, a country where there exists racists, then okay, then Norway is a racist country. But then Norway is also an, an anarchist country or a communist country or whatever, because there are communists and anarchists and whatnot else I'm sure there are. in this country. But I think, um, to me, it would be a racist country is a country where a certain group of people because of skin color or ethnicity or whatever uh, don't receive the same level of degree of of um, uh, protection under the law and equal justice mm. as you would do um, uh, if you belong to part of the majority in that country. And I don't think that's the case in Norway. But that is the case in the United States. Even if it's not in law, it's not, there's no laws that make any differentiation between ethnic groups in the United States anymore. In practice, you can just go by statistics and you will see that uh, blacks get higher or harsher punishments for the same crimes as, as white, white offenders. Or it's a higher you have a higher chance of getting the death penalty if you kill the white person than if you kill the black person or things like that. Uh, and there isn't anything like that in Norway. And mm. therefore, it just, it just, I feel like you're in our efforts to have a including and uh, as unprejudiced society as possible, it's important to try to isolate the people that truly are racist from everybody else. But if you start pointing the finger at any person that just said something a little bit wrong, didn't mean anything by it, and you call that person a racist, that person will say, or you're putting me in the same category as this nutcase over here? Okay, then I don't want to talk to you anymore, and I'm, I'm leaving this whole conversation in a way. Mm. You're pushing people away instead of pulling people together and, and isolating uh, the truly racist people that have decided that they don't like somebody no matter what you say. Mm. They have made a sort of a conscious decision that mm. they are superior uh, biologically to everybody else or mm. whatever their <laughs> uh, ID might be. So um, I felt that that was something that needed to be said and I think a lot of uh, ethnic, ethnically Norwegian people thought a lot, had this lot of the same thoughts but felt like the climate was not uh, open for them to be able to, to say it without being accused of trying to uh, uh, dilute the importance of the struggle and the, and the, and the fight for equality. Mm. So I felt you know, I had an opportunity to say and uh, looking at the uh, viewership or readership from the this, this uh, opinion piece that I, I wrote, I, I think it quite clearly showed that there were a lot of people that uh, felt that this uh, resonated a lot with their own thoughts. Okay. Hmm. That was the comments and uh, the feedback. Was it, it was incredibly 
civil yeah. uh, online compared to what you might be used to because there are always some trolls in there, oh, which, uh, which you know sort of ruins the the conversation. But it was very very few uh, comments like that. And, uh, tremendous amount of people that were just sort of wrote that they agreed and they liked that. And then, mm. but like always, I mean, I saw people there that sort of celebrated what I'd written but I could tell from how they wrote it that I don't agree with them. I mean, they are, they, they are full of their prejudice or they, they're xenophobes. I can tell from the way they wrote it. And it yeah. just felt like I was legitimizing their ability to be xenophobes or, 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 or be prejudiced, which obviously I don't. Uh, and then there were a lot of people that were uh, against what I was saying, mostly maybe people of color that felt like I was uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, trivializing, you know, the, maybe the, the discrimination that certain people uh, experience in Norway. And like, well, just because nothing's happened, really bad's happened to you, that doesn't mean that it's not happening to anybody else. But bad things have happened to me. I'm not saying it hasn't. But uh, I like to distinguish between different things. If for instance, uh, getting a job in Norway it might be difficult if you have a a non uh, Norwegian West, name, yeah, or Western name, name, should I yeah. say? You could probably be called, uh, you know, George or some other name that right. uh, might not be uh, typical Norwegian. Mm. My name's Dave. You know, mm. I mean, that's that's a very common English name, but it's yeah. not very common in Norway. But uh, but if you have if you're called, uh, say, a Muslim name, that's a mm. name that's uh, of some Arab, Arabic mm. descent and you might have problems getting a job but I wouldn't say that that's it is clearly discriminated and it's horrible and I mean that's one of the largest problems of discrimination we have the people don't have access to the job market because there are things like this but I don't think it's it's not racism it's not because of the race because if you were from a Eastern European country you might find the same problem even though you're white I mean if people saw you you might looked like you're Norwegian, no, nobody would be able to tell that you are um, from some Eastern European country, but your name is is uh, maybe written away. People will be like, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm not going to get this guy in for an interview because... And here comes this thing that I, I'm talking about where you need to try to pull people together. This person might say, I don't want to take this guy in for an interview. I don't even know how to say his name. And if I say it wrong, he might say that I'm a racist or, and mm. it, you know, and, and when somebody says that, you know, you've sort of, you're really on the wrong track because that means that they feel that even though they're trying to do something good for somebody and they don't mean anything bad by it, then they, they don't have a racist bone in their body, they still end up doing something which is discriminating just because they don't want to be for the fear of being thrown, labeled as a racist. Yeah. And that is, uh, in my opinion, a huge, hmm. a huge, that's just as huge problem as, right. as people. The fear of being labeled a uh, racist. Yeah, th that pushes people away. Yeah. So my policy has always been, I don't care what people say, I care what people mean. When, and you can tell, and somebody can say the politically correct thing about you. Uh, I could say to somebody that you're from Bergen, 
and I just say you're from Bergen, but I could say it in a way that it sounded really derogatory, you would understand mm. that I didn't think that you were from Bergen was a very positive thing mm. in the tone of my voice and the way I said it. And so even though I didn't say anything wrong, I think I believe you had the right then to be upset with me if I said it. Mm. But if somebody used something that by today's standards would be considered a racial slur about me, but some old person said it, and it was people said it back in the day, and then it was the normal terminology to mm. use. And I know this person likes me, and I know this person just hasn't been keeping up to date with uh, what's the common lingo to use for what things. What you're not supposed to say? Yeah, then I'm not going to get upset either. I might correct the person and I say, you know, you, we don't say that anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I wouldn't, I would be very cautious not to make that person feel like they did something uh, wrong on purpose. You, because you know, you, know not, yeah, you know it's not on purpose. You knew yeah. that was just a, a slip up or, mm. you know. And uh, these little details are much more important i feel than what people think mm. today we have cancel culture we have a lot of different these things that where we somebody said a thing when they didn't think for a second yeah. and all the evidence points to them not being mm. a, a racist or 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 a, uh, a man chauvinistic whatever or whatever it is that they've done wrong all the evidence points to them not being that but they said this one thing and then everybody goes for the attack and it completely ruins somebody, somebody's uh, reputation or Career. careers, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that we shouldn't go after people that actually, uh, you know, like for example, the whole Me Too movement is uh, is probably one of the, you know, in a way, probably one of the best things that happened to. Hollywood and, and, and how it has spread to the whole world in all sorts of industries uh, completely, you know, uh, opening up the door to expose everybody that has been abusing uh, their positions of power towards uh, women for decades. You know, yeah. I think that is incredible. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, this whole, the, the, the whole... Uh, crowd of people with uh you know with um their uh, pitchforks and uh, uh coming out to get the the bad guys when there are no when when they can't see any bad guys they start just looking for them yeah then then you might not have had to do such you know uh bad thing for them mm. to come after you and i think it, like an example of that with this whole black lives matter thing is when they norway starts talking about like tearing down statues of Winston Churchill and in my opinion yeah yeah to today's standard he did a lot of stuff that would be considered racist and uh, and and even worse but you know that statues there not because he did those things this is the difference the sta statues that they're tearing down in the states are of people that fought a war to keep slavery that is different that is a guy that fought he is famous for trying to keep slavery then you understand that they would tear down that statue but completely if you, but if you have a guy that was the leader of the resistance against the most tyrannical oppressive uh movement that the face of the earth has ever seen of the nazi germany and this this person uh led a country that risked 
everything to keep us all free and we raise a statue of him it's for that it's not if he's done a lot of if he was if he's slapping females on the butt at work and uh talk derogatory to his uh wife or his uh secretary or or starved some some uh, ethnic group that was under the british empire because he needed food for the uh, uk soldiers or whatever things that are despicable that we would never condone or in any shape way or form say that we agree with that that's not why they built the statue and therefore doesn't make any sense to tear it down because nobody associates that person with that even here in bergen we have a an area of the city which is named after a guy which has a bit of a shady past i didn't know that i think almost nobody knew that only some historians knew that when mm. he started talking about it, it's like let's change the name and i'm like you can change it. i mean i don't care if you change it but but i don't think it will move um us one millimeter in the right direction of a less uh, racist uh, society. Mm. I think that that's just s- stupid symbols which aren't even inspiring to anybody. It's just like, okay, you want to get your aggression out, so let's figure out somebody, uh, something to tear down or mm. something to change. I think the I think the the, the cancel culture is really. Uh, out of hand these days. Yeah, it is a bit out of hand. Yeah. I mean, some in the some people deserve it so much. Yeah, but some people are like they said some, especially maybe comedians. I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when you have um, two comedians on Saturday Night Live, probably most watched comedy show in the world, mm. and the one guy, white guy, dresses up as a another as the other actor, which is a black guy. Mm in what they would come to be called blackface. And nowadays then people sort of feel that that white comedian needs to apologize to the other guy, which is part of the sketch or, or at least working there at the time and had no problem with it. Um, and you can come argue, yeah, yeah, but it's not because of him. It's because of everybody else gets upset about it. But But no, I think that we have to differentiate about white people dressing up as black people either because a they wouldn't let black people play black parts so they had white people play black people that's terrible that's not good why can't black people be actors that's in that in in that situation blackface is really bad mm. if you have white people people dress up as black people to sort of make fun of them or say that they're less worth or stupid or ugly or something like that then that's horrible But if you have a person that's um, making an imitation of another person and the guy that's making the imitation is white and the guy is making the imitation of is black, then of course it helps that he wouldn't dress up as black for us to understand who it is that he's trying to imitate. And if it's just all in good humor, it's not mean-spirited, then I think then, then it's ridiculous that you mm. would ask this person to have to apologize for that. It's mm. my opinion. Yeah. Man. We talked about some really deep conversation. Some heavy stuff. Some heavy stuff. Yeah. I love it. You have a lot of cool stuff to say. I lo- I, I really appreciate having you have the time to talk to me today. Uh, I just want to, last thing, I just want to know about now. Now. Yes. Now is um, a um, conference, a yearly conference that we have in Los Angeles. And now used to stand for Norwegian Oscar weekend 
Mm-hmm. Now we changed it to Nordic Oscar Weekend to include all the Nordic countries. We gather all of the um, creative industry from the Nordic countries that live and operate on the West Coast. Uh, and uh, by creative industry, it's not only film and music, but it's fashion, it's gaming, it's um, art, you know, anything uh, that uh, is with, uh, within the sort of creative industry. And we will have uh, tons of speakers to talk on different topics that uh, will be interesting and engaging for the audience. Some general things. Other, We also have breakout sessions where we go, dig a little bit deeper into the things that have to do with, um, with uh, you know, maybe just movies in particular or maybe even could be just for directors or musicians, producers, different things like that. And then, of course, we have a lot of nighttime mingling activity, and that's where the real magic happens. Because you have, after a full day of listening to all this interesting, inspiring stuff, then to be able to walk up to the people that were on stage and talk to them and then build contacts. And network and contacts, if you're ever doing business in Los Angeles, you could say that that's important anywhere, but it's important in a totally different degree because it's a much more... I won't even answer your phone call or your email unless somebody else has sort of recommended you or, or, or have vouched for you that I'm not wasting my time because there's so many people there to try and uh, make the American dream happen. The people see they waste their time if they're going to talk to everybody. They need to know that this person is legit beforehand. Mm. And uh, I think that, you know, the Scandinavians and, or the, the, the Nordic people that are there uh, it's very difficult to get um, work visa to be in the States. So typically those people that are there are really, really good at whatever it is that they're doing. And it's hard to live there. It's expensive. And so if you stay there for an extended period of time, you're doing something right. And um, and that means that by doing that right, you must have some network, an American network probably. And when you combine all those Nordic people and they share their networks, then it becomes incredibly powerful. So not only is this a good place for somebody that new that's coming in to sort of get to just plug into the network straight away, it's also incredible for people that have stayed there for a while that maybe want to introduce new American people into the network and invite them to this conference and they can see, wow, look at how you know, diverse and, and incredibly interesting um, the Nordic community here is. And, uh, you know, it's always like a, this give and take. It's always great if you have an opportunity that you can invite somebody to something which, it, which you know is going to be good uh, and not always having to be knocking on doors and asking people to sort of help you out because uh, uh, in a city where everybody needs a handout but not so many people can give one uh it is uh, very easy to to lose all your um motivation after a while being rejected and things like that mm. you know uh i uh i really want to one day i want to join them i want to join now and uh i've heard rumors that it's pretty cool it's cool and it's uh it's uh, at least up until now, it's been completely free mm-hmm. to participate. And uh, 
it's at a time of year when, well, it's during the Oscar weekend, so yeah. that's why it's called that. And it's not anything to do with the Oscars. It's only called that because that's when we do it that weekend when the Oscars yeah. are on, and um, and it's uh, you know it's 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 easy to get there now. It's uh, some direct flights from uh, from from various uh, Nordic countries, and um, you uh, it's not very expensive. So um, I would encourage anybody that's watching this to definitely uh, check it out. Uh, go to nowla.org and um, and check it out. And uh, if you have time uh, and if you have ambitions about doing something uh, outside of the Nordic or in particular in the States, then this is absolutely a, a great place to start. Probably the best place to start. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, now is uh, is a conference which um, uh, it sort of spawned off a yearly party that uh, Trollbound and Moods of Norway had together. And then later we said, okay, let's not just have a party, but let's make it a conference and a little bit more sort of business oriented. And then uh, Stefan Dahlqvist, which is one of the founders of Moods of Norway, uh, myself and uh, Ilana Pinker, mm. uh, we um, uh, yeah decided that we were gonna you know try it for one year and see and because it, it was a, it's a very big difference from organizing one night event to having a full day with loads of speakers and organizing right. that everybody come and where are you gonna have it and when you finally got all the good speakers and you're like, yes, and then you start thinking, oh my God, but what if nobody comes to see them? They're going to be very upset that they've set aside this time to, but uh, the speakers came, the audience came and, you know, uh, after a couple of years now, they're, you know, the amount of attendance is growing and growing. So, um, yeah, it's, and now that we included people from the Nordic, it's, yeah. uh, it's been great. Nice. Where did, where did you keep the, uh, the first events? Was that the, 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 the house, the, what's it called, Little, Little Norway? or what's Little Norway, yeah, this is a house that, um, that we lived in up in the Hollywood Hills, yeah. uh, which got the uh, sort of the nickname Little Norway House. No, we, we never had it, anything up there, but I mean, I could say maybe some of the, us having a lot of events there for Norwegians and Moods of Norway always celebrating 17th of May, which is our national holiday, mm -hmm. uh, sort of maybe was a sort of a, precursor to this and then um, the first now we had at the creative artist agency which is the world's large talent agency and so we were incredibly honored that they would let us uh, have it there mm. and uh, you know they uh, they um, contributed with um, some of their agents to come and talk and of course having it there gave it sort of a certain status so it wasn't so difficult to ask other speakers to come there and talk and um, yeah, it, it turned out great, you know, and um, it was uh, it was uh, something that uh, everybody clearly said they wanted more of, and the Norwegian government through the uh, um, uh, general uh, uh, consulate in San Francisco. Mm. Um, uh, decided then and there that this was going to be Norway's um, sort of uh, or their their official support of creative industries in the western part of uh, the United States. So the Norwegian government's behind it. Now the Finnish government has come in as well. And 
we're hoping to also get uh, Denmark and Sweden and Iceland on board as well. Oh, nice. They're going to come on board, I'm pretty sure. If they know what's right, they will. <laughs> if you know what's right for you, you know, you're missing out. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for uh, coming you. to the show today. That was uh, this episode of Between Seven Mountains. Make sure, you know, if you didn't know, you can, um, if you don't have the time to watch this, you can always listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever. Uh, and you can see it on YouTube. That's where you watch the whole show. And uh, yeah. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Bye-bye.